Welcome to Aircrew Interview. I'm Mike Young, your host, and this is our Tornado GR special with Dennis Brooks. Dennis has over 4,000 hours on the Tornado GR1, and this interview he talks about his time on the Triple TE, Nine Squadron, flying in Saudi Arabia, and of course sharing some brilliant stories. Remember you can help the channel to continue putting out regular quality content by becoming a patron via patreon.com forward slash aircrewinterview where you receive four different tiers, each having its own benefits. So don't forget to click the subscribe button so you don't miss any future videos. I want to thank our sponsor, Club Coins UK, which we are very proud to be working with as they are a veteran-owned and run company where they produce stunning quality coins and patches that showcases the UK's military services. Their homage to the Tornado comes in the form of these quality coins that are available as singles or as sets and they also produce this stunning Velcro patch that celebrates both the Tornado GR1 and GR4 in RAF service. You can check these products out and more at their website which is clubcoinsuk.com. Thank you and enjoy. So Dennis, when did you first become interested in aviation? When, uh, when I was still at school, I joined the Air Training Corps, became an air cadet, and um, that sort of sparked the interest off from, uh, from that time. Yeah. So what year did you join the RAF? In 1974. Wow. And what were some of the basic aircraft you started your training on? Um, at that time, it was um, all through um, jet training on the, uh, on the jet provost. Mm-hmm. So it was the two marks of JP at the time, the JP3, JP4, that I uh, did my uh, basic training on. Mm-hmm. And did you have a thought like what aircraft you wanted to eventually go on to? Yes. Was that a silly question? Yeah, <laughs> uh, as you might imagine, uh, the Lightning was uh, pretty well uh, much in mind, yeah. So um, that was, uh, yeah, the aircraft obviously to, mm-hmm. to aspire to at that, uh, that time. Yeah. yeah. And you started flying the Hunter on your pre Lightning course. Could you tell us what this was like to fly? Yes. Um, just to, um, to go back a step, if I may, um, from um, initially after basic training, I flew the, the NAT, advanced training. Oh, yes. And um, <clears throat> from there, rather than going straight on to uh, an operational conversion unit, um, uh, there was a scheme where some um, students went to Central Flying School, became instructors. So that was the course that, um, that I went, not through choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not a bit of an imposition, really, because you wanted to get onto the operational aircraft. But um, it, it did me no harm in the long, long run. So I ended up uh, doing an instructional tour on the Jet Provost at uh, Syaston. Okay. And it was from there that I went on to the, uh, to the Hunter to mm-hmm. do the pre-lightning course. Mm-hmm. And was it as nice to fly as everyone says it was? Yes, it was fantastic, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the, uh, uh, the Hunter. And, in fact, I enjoyed the, the Nat very much as well. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a, a lovely little aircraft to fly. Yeah. Yes, it was. So do you think the Hunter prepared you well to go on to the Lightning? Yes, I think it was um, a good uh, stepping stone. Um, obviously, going from the Jet Provost then uh, needed to, <laughs> uh, to speed up again before going yeah, to the to the lightning mm-hmm. so yeah the hunter was uh, was very good from that point of view yeah so let's move on to the lightning so what okay. were your initial thoughts of the the mighty old girl well um very imposing impressive aircraft i mean just looking at the lightning um on the ground you think wow you know that's uh, that's some beast mm-hmm. um so yes it's a bit um um, awe-inspiring, really, and uh, mm. you know, certainly, uh, you think, well, that's that's good. If I can master this, then uh, I'll be very, very happy. 
<laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you probably have many, but can you share like maybe one or two memorable stories you've had, say, while flying the Lightning? Okay, um, at um, Watersham on Treble One, um, one um, the end of one month, we were flying a, a three-ship um, formation, and uh, we did we wanted to do uh, the sort of lightning party piece departure, mm. where you keep the nose down, get about two hundred and fifty knots, and then go into a steep climb. So we had three aircraft to do this. Um, I was number three, and we did it as, as a, a three-second stream. Um, unfortunately, the number two um, raised the uh, landing gear too soon uh, and couldn't get enough clearance to, for the aircraft to get away from the ground. So the ventral tank um, hit the ground, um, ruptured. Um, it got reheated, so the, uh, the fuel um, ignited, obviously. Um, as number three, I saw this... Um, developing ahead of me. I didn't know what, exactly what had happened, uh, but um, I could see the, the plume of smoke and uh, some flames ahead of me. So options were limited, uh, so I, I just you know, pressed on and, uh, with the takeoff, and apparently it looked uh, fairly uh, spectacular seeing me going wow. through this, uh, this cloud of smoke. Story oh, yeah. wow. Is there any yeah. footage of that anywhere? Um, I don't know. I don't think there's any no, video. So, it's, no. Uh, no, no one would have been Taking no any at the time, <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, that was uh, that was one. Um, yeah, another one when we were on. This was on Fifty Six Squadron. We were doing a, an armament practice camp uh, at St Morgan in Cornwall to do air-to-air gunnery. And um, aircraft parked out in the open, and the lightning wasn't uh, very good. You know, if it was just uh, out in the open. Anyway, um, I was fi- on, on one banner, and I got a an engine. Uh, reheat caption. Reheat caption is, um, means there's a fire in the back of the aircraft. There's no extinguisher back there. It's only in the engine bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to go through the drill and I think the warning went out. So anyway, went back. And later on in the same day, I took the same aircraft again. And this time I was ju- uh, just firing, opening first burst on the banner and I got an engine fire warning. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't believe it. But um, you know, that fortunately turned out to be spurious, but at the time, yeah. you don't know it. You've got to go through the drill yeah. and, uh, and take the aircraft back. Yeah, so how long did you spend on Lightnings and did you enjoy your time on it? Uh, well, first of all, I enjoyed it very much, yes, and it was um, eight years, actually. So, um, yeah, four tours, um, so two years for each tour. We moved around fairly, fairly frequently at that mm-hmm. stage. And how many hours did you get on the Lightning? Just under 2,000. Oh. I was about... Um, 10, 12 short, so, um, you know, another couple of weeks and I'd, I'd yeah. have cracked that. But you can just say it's two. <laughs> yeah, but there we go, that's, that's the way it is. <laughs> so can you tell us briefly what happened after your time on the Lightning? Yeah, um, complete change, actually. Um, well, my last tour on the Lightning was OC Lightning training flight at, uh, at Binbrook, which was effectively the, um, the conversion unit for the remaining two squadrons, 5 and 11. Um, so I had that, which is a great job, and um, I then got posted to become uh, the CEO at um, East Midlands University Air Squadron um, at um, RF Newton Grass Airfield. There, so that was flying the Bulldog. Mm. So, well, what a complete contrast, you know, Absolutely. between Lightning and Bulldog. But nevertheless, that was enjoyable. Um, towards the end of that time, uh, I made a decision 
to uh, become what's not called, or what at that time was called uh, a specialist air crew, which meant that um, I wanted to stay uh, flying or in aviation associated jobs um, from then on, rather than trying to uh, deal with getting maybe one more flying tour. So flying was the thing that, uh, that decided that. Um, and when I'd made that decision, um, I was uh, posted to the tornado. So, Dennis, as you mentioned before, you went on to the tornado. Can you talk us through how you even started this process? Um, well, it was a bit of a, a shot out of the blue um, that my poster just uh, said, well, you, you know, you posted two tornadoes, which was obviously just coming into service at that stage. This was 1981. And uh, I thought, well, that's, that sounds pretty good to me. So I was happy with it. Um, obviously, I'd not done any air-to-ground before, but, um, you know, the training process um, took care of that by uh, sending me, well, obviously from the bulldog, I needed to uh, speed up a- again before going back to a fast jet. Mm-hmm. Um, so the training process was then to go and do um, a course at um, then Brody, RF Brody um, in Wales, on the Hunter, uh, to concentrate or to um, to introduce me to the um, air to ground type um, mm-hmm. scenario. Mm. So, what were your initial thoughts of the tornado GR one? Um, yeah, I was very impressed. Actually, I mean, who wouldn't be? It's um, as you know, it's been a very successful aircraft, and um, yeah, even at that early stage, I thought, yeah, this is uh, this is something else, and I was very happy um, to to go onto the tornado. Mm. Well, I might be pushing your memory here a bit, but yeah. uh, could you talk us about, a bit about your ground training and how you like came from air to air to air to ground and learning the different systems? Well, the um, yeah, the air to ground was, as I say, uh, done um, at uh, at Brody on the on the Hunter there, so that introduced um, you know more uh, battle formation, uh, air to ground um, gunnery, uh, bombing, and so on. So that was the um, the lead in there. Uh, and then onto the tornado, um, the ground school. Well, the tornado were obviously, as I said, a new aircraft at that stage. So everybody was on a, um, a very steep learning curve. Um, the initial guys went to um, a course at the manufacturers in uh, Manching in uh, Germany, mm-hmm. and they then started to um, uh, to teach the. Uh, initial instructors um, at uh, Cottesmore, Triple T. We'll cover that, I think, in a moment. Uh, and from there, it just um, escalated. So my first tour was as an instructor at, um, at Cottesmore on the um, uh, on the tornado there. So wait, obviously, talking about your training, did it, was there a, a sim at that time? Or yes. Was it more sophisticated than the Lightning? Yes, it was. Um, yeah, much more sophisticated. Uh, there were various other... Um, procedure trainers as well, mainly for the uh, backseat avionics, but um, we all covered those as a crew, you know, the sort of crew concept, and the, the backseaters, the navigators, also learned the aircraft systems, because it's important, two-man crew, for everybody to be aware of what's going on in the, uh, in the other cockpit. So we started with those, and then went on to the, uh, onto the simulator. Yeah, simulator much more capable than the early ones, the Lightning, for example. Uh, so, yeah, you could get a lot of um, benefit out of, uh, out of flying the simulator there. Mm-hmm. And it was um, uh, certainly a good lead-in uh, to the aircraft. Since then, the simulators have uh, developed even more, so much more sophisticated, um, you know, with, uh, with the modern ones now. Mm-hmm. 
So when you started training and stuff, was there TFR on the aircraft at that time? Yes. Um, I can't remember offhand whether it was initially cleared. Um, I can't recall. I think it was. But yes, we, we did introduce the TFR uh, flying fairly early on um, in, in the uh, time on the Tornado. Mm-hmm. People were very... Um, um, or some were rather sceptical about you know, letting it fly hands off close to the uh, ground. <laughs> and I think it was mainly ex, uh, ex-Jaguar pilots for whatever reason. But, oh, uh, wow, okay. yeah, but uh, for me, it didn't uh, cause me any, any concern. Um, you know, having flown uh, with the auto uh, TFR, uh, I became very confident mm-hmm. in it and its, mm-hmm. uh, and its capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some um, drawbacks, or, well... The, if you've got a, a very heavy shower cloud like a thunderstorm or even you know, less than that, um, the TFR would see that as, a, as ground returns mm-hmm. and try and pull you up into it. Ah. So, um, you know, not, uh, not great. So you had to, there were some things to be aware of, mm-hmm. but over the ground itself, mm-hmm. it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, worked very, it worked very well. Yeah, I indeed. think it came from the F-111, if I'm correct. Um, the 111 certainly had it, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it was the same um, uh, development or mm-hmm. not, but uh, uh, yeah, certainly the F-111 had it before. Yeah. yeah. So was your first flight in the front or the back? Oh, in the front. <laughs> <laughs> not having the back. <laughs> no. Um, you know, the, well, that, um, we had obviously two variants, uh, basically the, uh, the trainer and the stripe variant. So the stripe variant uh, didn't have a, a stick in the back, but the trainer did. Mm-hmm. So first flights were with uh, an instructor pilot, um, so he could um, demonstrate and uh, obviously take control if you screwed up in the front. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, first flights in the, uh, in the front. And it was only later, when I was becoming uh, an instructor pilot there, that I... Uh, go into the uh, into the back seat and um, you know operate it from the uh, from the back as Tell well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on on the takeoff, could you, was there a power difference from the Lightning? Because uh, it seems a bit more sluggish than the Lightning was. Um, yes, I mean they're still a pretty powerful aircraft, but um, I think the acceleration was uh, was a less than the uh, the Lightning would be. Um, the Lightning just had a lot of um, raw thrust, basically. Um, Tornado is yeah, certainly very good. I mean, um, with the reheats, yeah, plenty of thrust there. And with the clean aircraft that we had at uh, Cottesmore, no stores on them, then it was a pretty, um, a pretty good acceleration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of flying would you be doing during your training? Was it just basic handling, or would there be weapons involved? Okay. Um, initially, basic handling... Um, so obviously, um, takeoffs, landings, uh, maneuvering the aircraft, um, doing aerobatics in the um, in the aircraft as well, just to get used to the um, you know flying it to, not to the limits, but um, exploring the envelope, should we say? Mm-hmm. Um, from then on, you'd um, also do more uh, instrument flying, do an instrument rating, and after that, uh, formation flying, and then moving on to the weaponry. Now, at um, at Cottesmore, then there were no stores, so you couldn't actually drop any bombs. But the um, aircraft main computer uh, had a mode where you could could put a a bogus bomb in there. So uh, it made the main computer think Mm -hmm. it had uh, a bomb on board. You actually had a a retard or a free-fall bomb, Mm -hmm. depending on what type of uh, attack you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So the... um, 
the main computer then generated the symbology in the head-up display um, with a, a, a moving uh, marker, CCIP, continuously compact, computed impact point, showing where the bomb would land if it was okay, released right. at, that, uh, at that time. Yeah. So you could do all of, the, uh, all of the weaponry or simulated weaponry without actually carrying any stores. Oh, wow. So what was it actually like to fly? Was it, did it feel like a modern aircraft coming from the light? Yes. With all its new systems and things like that? Yeah, it did. It felt uh, more, modern, uh, more modern aircraft. It had um, a fly-by-wire system, whereas the, uh, the lightning, you know, hydraulic controls, but it was just straightforward controls responded to your inputs. On the Tornado, um, you, you said what input you wanted, and then the, the fly-by-wire decided just what you'd, uh, you'd get yeah, yeah. out of it. And that's even uh, been developed even more in, in later aircraft now. But yes, certainly a very, a very different um, aircraft to fly. So we have to talk about the wing sweep, obviously, one yeah. of its main features. How yeah. did you get used to that? Because I think it was manual uh, we had, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It, it, all the time that I flew the Tornado, it was uh, manual uh, sweep. Um, so there were three cleared positions, the forward uh, 20, um, 25, uh, 25, 25, yeah, 45, and then 67. Uh, so the 25 was, um, you know, for takeoff, landing, low-speed manoeuvring and so on. And uh, in that configuration, you could also have uh, manoeuvre flap and slat to give you um, better manoeuvrability control at, um, at low speed. 45 wing was the, um, the main uh, wing that you use, you know, for low level uh, flying. Um, normally, the normal operating speed there was be uh, 420 knots. And then um, if you wanted to, uh, to go... Uh, supersonic, then wings all the way back, either supersonic or you know showing off the uh, the lovely plan form with the uh, 67 wing, Absolutely, yeah. yeah, which was um, uh, demonstrated pretty well with the uh, the recent fly around oh, the yeah, country by the uh, the two remaining squadrons. So yeah. yes, yeah. And I'm going to ask you this because I've heard other, some pilots and aircrew say it can't, some can, but can it go supersonic with stalls on, with its uh, big tanks and the outer head? Uh, it, it all depended on. Um, it effectively, it became subsonic with all the stalls on. It, it could go um, supersonic, but uh, limits on the stalls were. Uh, uh, in, in the main uh, subsonic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the later stores because when I was flying them, we just had the, um, uh, the dumb bombs at mm-hmm. that stage and the, uh, the more sophisticated stuff came along later. And I, I don't know what the, uh, the clearances were in terms of maximum speed and uh, a Mach number on those. Mm-hmm. And one of the big differences for you, certainly, would be working with a navigator. What was that oh, like? Oh, absolutely. No, I, I settled into that uh, very well, actually. Um, it's great to have um, workload shared, um, someone basically taking care of the, well, obviously the navigation, the, the ground mapping radar, uh, weapon selection, all that sort of thing. Um, while I in the front, um, you know, just concentrate on, uh, on flying the aircraft. So, yeah, definitely um, um, a, a lower workload than single seat in the, uh, in the Lightning. Um, also, uh, a bit more light-heartedly, someone to carry a bag or whatever and when, you, <laughs> yeah. when you go away somewhere. But uh, no, I'm only joking there, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you have to say that for the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but obviously, you were heavily involved with the Triple TE. Can you talk about your first tour with them? Yes, OK. Um, well, just to explain the, um, the, the setup of the Triple TE, uh, obviously, it's an RAF base, so an RAF station commander who is also the 
senior British um, uh, officers. So we then had a, a senior German officer and a senior Italian officer to, um, you know, to, to keep the hierarchy uh, uh, the same, more or less. Um, we had a mix of aircraft, so roughly 40% um, RAF, 40% German, and 20% uh, Italian. It, it reflected more or less the, the numbers of the uh, aircraft uh, each, na- each nation had uh, bought. And instructors in roughly the same ratio. So, aircraft on the line could be um, British, uh, German, or Italian. Um, there was a lot of commonality at that stage. Uh, software uh, was, uh, was the same. So, you know, you could fly one aircraft and the, the software would respond in the same way with a different uh, nationality yeah. aircraft. Um, there were some other differences. The, um, the RAF aircraft had um, fuel in the fin, you know, so a bit of extra fuel there. Uh, also had instrument landing system, which the Germans and the Italians didn't, uh, didn't have. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So, uh, I was, it might have been slightly better. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not saying better, just, uh, just a yeah, bit different, that's different. all. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to, to explain, uh, this is leaping forward now, but um, part of the reason the Triple T closed when it did in 99 was this was when the, um, the RAF, the GR4s were coming in, and each nation was going, you know, the aircraft were becoming, uh, or there was less commonality. Um, so you, they wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to carry on uh, with different software standards at that stage. You could do a basic aircraft conversion, but that, that would, have been about, uh, would have been about all. Mm-hmm. Going back to my first tour, um, yeah, there were three what we called main course squadrons, one um, with a German a boss, one with a Brit boss and one with an Italian boss. Um, they're deputies or senior navigators, so the German squadron had a, an RAF navigator. Um, the British squadron uh, had a German, um, sorry, Italian navigator, and the Italian squadron had a German senior navigator. So, so it's a good mix, basically. Um, I was lucky uh, in going to um, uh, sea squadron, the Italian squadron. Um, it, it was nice. It was, it was perhaps a bit more laid back than the others. Still very professional, but, uh, you know, um, laid, a laid back approach to it, which, uh, which was great. And in fact, I did two tours again later on, both, and both times I was on sea. I had a short time on A squadron, the German squadron, but um, uh, managed to move back to sea. So I was happy with that. Um, so going through, uh, yeah, I mean, we tended to mix the, the crew. So uh, myself as a, as a Brit instructor would tend to get uh, maybe either a, a German or um, Italian uh, student. So we tried to, to sort of mix it around like that. So it, it, did, it was truly tri-national. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, I think it was, um, it was very successful. Um, the whole project, really, the, the aircraft production, and the training, um, I think, was um, it, it worked. It worked very well. Make sure you go to clubcoinsuk.com to check out their wide variety of military coins that range from singles right up to limited edition signed sets. <laughs>